Cam, Cam. Check one, two. Hello. Cam, that's some of your best sound, I, I think. I thought that was good. If we read in the book of Revelation how around the throne of God, there were all yeah. these different languages being spoken and all these mm. different people groups represented. So I think it gives us a clearer picture of the family of God and what heaven is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. It's Mr. Russ with Cam Hauk. Hey, everybody. And <laughs> Cam, you're making fun of me. And our special guest today is Hillary Clip Lopez. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hillary, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. So Hillary has come from uh, what, Southside, is that right? Rose Park. Rose Park. Actually, yes. Yes. All Made the, way the long drive across the town, town today. Yep, wow. 12 minutes. You rock. Thank you so much for being with us today. And we've been so excited to talk with you, Hillary, because you are an integral part of the Spanish Immersion Program at Holland Christian. Um, So I think what we'll do is the first part of the interview, we'll just talk about the Immersion Program, what it is, uh, your role in it. And then the second part of the interview, just hear a little bit of your story and, and how you came to be a part of the HC family. Sure, that sounds great. So let's just pretend you're, you're talking to somebody who's got zero association with Spanish Immersion. What is that? Okay. Never heard of it. How would you describe the program? Well, Spanish Immersion um, is basically an experience um, that is not unlike... Um, a kindergarten, in, well, so I teach kindergarten Spanish immersion, um, and a kindergarten Spanish immersion classroom looks very similar to its English counterparts in the sense that we do math, we do social studies, we do reading, we do writing, um, we do Bible, we do science, we do all of the the same subjects, um, but it's taught through the medium of the Spanish language. So that basically means that um, all of the lessons that I teach, I prepare the students by using their vocabulary. Um, I provide a lot of visual support. We play a lot of games. There's a lot of movement in the classroom. Mm. We sing a lot of songs. We sing songs for everything. Mm. Um, sometimes I make them up. So we have songs that are like, can you please open this? Or can you tie my shoe? Oh, I Which love is that. kind of fun. Um, are you willing to give us one of the songs you've you've made up? Oh, or, or maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. Um, let's see. No pressure. I'll think about, okay, so this is, this is a song. This is kind of a silly, I don't know why this popped in my head, but I'll do the first one that pops in my head. You rock. Um, for turning on and off the lights. So we no. say, prender, apagar, prender, apagar, prender, apagar, las luces, por favor. So that just basically says, turn on, turn off, turn mm -hmm. on, turn off the lights. I really exciting, that. but it sounds more fun in English, in Spanish. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, a lot man. more fun than my teacher saying, hey, hit the lights. That, yeah, maybe you should teach that in your classes. Yeah, too. I need to start yeah, next singing time somebody that, tells me to turn the lights on or off, I'll be like, sing, sing me song. a song. Sing me a or song I'll and I'll do it. I'll just start singing it, and then once I'm done with the song, I'll... I'll give you a list later so oh, you can man. start adding Good. them in. I'll, I'll have songs for everything. I yes, just you love will. that. And I'm sure I've got a four-year-old. I'm sure they just pick up on these songs so quickly, and they're oh, probably they singing do. them at home. And I have so many parents telling me, what is my child? Oh. My child sings at home in Spanish all the time. Oh, how And terrific. I just love that. And um, when we go on field trips, the kids love singing on the bus. I mean, they love singing everything. Um, I don't uh, have an exceptional singing voice myself, but I love it, and I love teaching through the medium of songs yes. and movement, mm -hmm. yes. and it just makes everything stick easier. So oh, man. It's, it's very exciting for me. I love... Um, I love teaching Spanish immersion because it opens up students' minds just to a whole new world, um, to a new way of, of looking at things, and they don't miss out on any of the core subjects that they are would be learning in another classroom, in an English-speaking classroom. Oh, that's incredible. So these are kindergartners you're yep. with. Mm -hmm. Now, do many of them have 
a background in the Spanish language? Or are many of them coming in with zero Spanish on day one? Or, or what's what's kind of your range that you have in class? That's a great question. Um, I have quite a mix of students. Uh, so this is our second year. So I have a group of the, uh, this year. And I had a group last year. So I have two classrooms that I've experienced so far. Um, I definitely have some students which are called, uh, they're called heritage speakers. So heritage speakers are students who have some Spanish background, whether it be they have a Spanish speaking parent, they have two Spanish speaking parents, maybe they have a Spanish speaking grandma or grandpa. Um, but oftentimes heritage speakers may be exposed to the language in their homes, but they may not, they might not understand any of it. They may understand very little. So that encompasses a very wide range of abilities. Mm. Um, I also have students who come from the Spanish Immersion Preschool program um, taught by Maestra de Leon, Perla de Leon at Rose Park. She does an amazing job with the kids. So some do come in with that um, background, but that was okay. three days a, uh, a week, you know, in the mornings only. So um, kind of limited in its scope only because of the time. But then I have other students who transfer from junior kindergarten. I have students who have come from Southside. I have students who have come from other preschool programs and they come in with zero Spanish. So I always mm -hmm. tell parents, um, I expect or I don't expect that your child knows anything coming in. Uh, I teach from zero. Uh, I just start with the basics. So there's no, um, there's no expectation that your student will know any Spanish coming in the first day of school. Oh, that's mm. so cool. So is this new to Holland Christian? Have we not had Spanish immersion before? or We're in our second year. Okay. So right now we have preschool threes, preschool fours. We have kindergarten and first grade. So last year we started with the pre two preschool classes and kindergarten. Um, so it was really, it's been really exciting to be on the journey um, yeah, just from, from the ground up um, and to be able to, to see the students grow. My own daughter is in first grade, so she was my student last year. Mm -hmm. And I have a son who's in preschool fours and he will be my student next year. So um, it's exciting to have my own my own children um, in the program and just see as a parent how much the students grow, the community that's been built um, through this program as well has been really exciting. That speaks to me about your investment and your confidence in the program that your kids are involved in this as well. That, that's sure. really cool and important. Sure. So what's it been like? I assume you've had some parents mm -hmm. who don't speak Spanish and mm -hmm, yet their kids sure. are starting to sing these songs, learn the language. Oh. What what have those conversations been like? Has there been a lot of like interest in, to learn from parents as well? Well, I want to say, first of all, um, I really appreciate and I, I admire and I'm very thankful for the parents um, who don't speak any Spanish because it takes a lot of trust in um, the teacher and the program to put their child in an environment where the parents don't know what's sure, going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I just do value that very highly that they um, trust me and that they believe that, um, you know, there's going to be an amazing outcome of this, which is really true. Um, so I'm very thankful for those parents and I, I um, encourage them as much as they can just to be able to encourage their student at home um, in reading. I sent home reading tips. Um, that they can use in any language. I sent home um, books that students can start reading. And another thing that's been really exciting for um, for my students in that environment is that when they're the only child at home or the only person who is learning that language, they become the expert in that language. Mm -hmm. So I've had younger siblings whose older siblings did not have the opportunity to be in Spanish immersion um, become very proud of the fact that they are learning a language. And... Um, 
they're excited to share that at home with their families. Oh, they're that's just so cool. excited to share it with their mom and dad, and they're excited to share it with their older brother or sister. So that's been a really empowering thing I've seen um, in students that some of them are the younger siblings, and um, some of them just like to share with their parents what they're learning. So that's it's exciting all the way around. And I bet that makes the kids feel really cool. My daughter, oh, sure. I love it when my girls come home from school and they're talking about something that I don't actually know. Like, mm-hmm. and, they, and they get to teach dad. And you know, that's just kind of a cool opportunity for those kids to it really is. part of, I think you learn something so uniquely when you have to teach it or when you get to share it with somebody else. Yes. And I tell the, I tell the parents, let your child be the expert mm. in this. Let them explain it to you because they learn more by reteaching it and by, totally. by telling their parents and they just feel good about it. So it's exciting. How and fun. even more, like, I'm sure as they progress through the program and get to higher level Spanish that's able to translate back home and spread the language more to their families who may not have any connection to Spanish, but then they'll be more involved and be like, oh, I know some more Spanish. And then if they end up in an environment where they're like, I need Spanish right now just to communicate with someone, whether it's at work or mm-hmm. whatever, they're like, oh, my kid has done that. I've heard him speak words or her speak words, and now I kind of know a little more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There are so many ways to use um, the Spanish language in this very community. So it's mm-hmm. exciting um, to see that and to equip students at a young age totally. to be able to do that. Something um, we've been working on developing this year is developing cultural field trips that our kindergarten students mm. will be taking. Oh, so cool. And there'll be a follow-up experience for them to return to the place where they go with their parents um, just to expose their parents. Maybe their parents have never been to um, an environment, you know, like um, our first field trip coming up is is to a Mexican bakery. And so mm. maybe the parents have never been there. Or maybe they are not sure what to order. So giving their child the ability to go in wow. to meet the owner um, and then to bring their parent back and just show them that, again, they can be the expert in this situation. They can show their parents a little bit around. Um, it's exciting. And we hope to be able to create a lot of cultural connections through that. That is so cool. And that maybe is part of the answer to my next question. I was curious, sure. why is this a, a value for Holland Christian, what's the the kind of the motive or the heart behind a Spanish immersion program? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think um, I've I have a passion in my life just to to see the world and to explore um, explore the world. I've loved traveling my whole mm-hmm. life. Um, I've loved being part of or experiencing different cultures and different languages. And every time I do that, I'm reminded just how how big the world is and mm-hmm. how rich it is in its diversity, in its languages, um, in the way that, that we live and the way that we do things. It's not all done the same way. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's easy to believe that everybody has to act the same way. And even as Christians, sometimes we tend to think that we all need to act the same way or behave in the same way or even speak the same language. Um, but if if we read in the book of Revelation, I mean, it talks about um, how around the throne of God, there were all yeah. these different languages being spoken and all these mm-hmm. different people groups represented. So I think um, it gives us a clear picture, picture of... of what heaven is and just the the family of God that we're not divided yes. by language, we're not divided by culture, um, and we're not not divided by um, the things that that are easier to see sometimes. But I love that can bring us together. You know, I remember where I was even when when that idea struck me, and I was probably later than most people, sadly, but. I remember realizing that God is not primarily a, an English speaker mm. any more than he's... That's he, an amazing you know, thing to think about. And it was true. all of a sudden just like, whoa. And it was 
it was exciting to me mm-hmm. to realize that that God is more than I've imagined. Um, God, the, mm-hmm. even even the images I had in my mind in in prayer, what what I was picturing God looking like, those kinds of things, it began to grow and expand, and it was in direct correlation with the relationships I was building, mm-hmm. um, especially as I was able to do some traveling as well and hearing different languages and and just encountering cultures in in ways that I never had before. And for me, it was actually an act of worship. It was this excitement sure. yeah. and directly impacted the way I thought of who God is. Mm-hmm. It's amazing yeah. to to think of it in a global perspective. Um, sometimes I will play um, worship music in class with the students, mm. and, and sometimes they'll say, oh, I know the song from my church. And I know they go to English-speaking church, but the fact that they hear the song in mm-hmm. Spanish and they recognize that song, I think just... Um, kind of reiterates the fact that this is the same God we're worshiping yeah. and other yeah. people worship him in a different language, but it's still the same God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember just yesterday I was sitting here and I was like talking with Mr. Ross and I was just like, language is kind of an amazing oh, yeah, thing. Right. And mm-hmm. I didn't even know like exactly what this podcast was going to be, but that's kind of weird because I was just blown away yesterday for some reason thinking about language and like why it's a thing, why we can like make sounds and then mm-hmm. understand things. And other people can make completely different sounds, but have the same meaning behind it. And I love how you mm-hmm. had that translate into we're worshiping the same God just in a different way. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. that's so cool. It is cool. Yeah. So Hillary, do you have any stories that highlight highlight some of the successes of the program so far or conversations you've had with either families or mm-hmm. students? That gives us a little peek into what's happening at Rose Park. I had a student last year who um, came with an IEP in speech. What's an IEP? An individualized education plan. Okay. Um, So this student um, did not actually learn to speak until he was three or four, I believe. Um, So uh, at his preschool, preparing to go into Spanish immersion, his preschool teachers told his parents, you know, I, I'm not sure about Spanish immersion. He spoke so late in life, you know, it might not be the best choice for him, but the parents really wanted him to be in Spanish immersion. So they put him in, um, and, uh, about halfway through the year for, for the beginning of the year, he was, um, being taken out a couple times a week for speech and, um, doing well. And, um, I started seeing the little motors going in his head and started mm-hmm. hearing him click, uh, and start seeing all the pieces kind of come together in his head. And he started speaking extremely fluently, um, reading very fluently. And at the end of the year, I would say around March or April, we had a meeting with the parents and with um, the the speech teacher. And he was taken out of the program because he passed out of um, no, the speech right. program. Oh, wow. And um, he scored very highly. And she said, you know, this is, um, I think this is a testament to um, not only the program, but also just to um, to what he's been learning. And um, it was really exciting and rewarding for me to see how much the student grew. And I would encourage parents, even if they're afraid of um, what their child might be able to achieve academically, um, Spanish immersion is for any student. And we give support to students. Um, and we meet students where they're at. It doesn't matter if they come in knowing the language. Um, it doesn't matter if they may struggle in reading. We'll support them in reading. Um, but we are committed to making every student successful, helping oh, every student be successful. What so. a cool example of that. How cool. How about any uh any experiences with parents that have been particularly cool or conversations? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, well, I just had so many parents come to me and say, what's the song that you do for this? Or what's the song for that? Mm-hmm. My, my child is singing all the time at home. And yes. um, 
I, I've had parents that ask me, what's this CD or what, um, you know, I, what's the name of this artist so they can download it and they can listen to it at home or in their car. Um, and I love the partnership that this creates between parents um, and myself as their teacher. And mm-hmm. um, also um, as, a, as a parent myself, we've just been so blessed by the community that our Spanish immersion program has brought to Rose Park. We were new family, we were new family last year um, as, as parents and with children mm-hmm. uh, at Rose Park and being able to befriend and um, to spend time with members of the, the Spanish immersion community has been so rewarding. Um, now we have a Facebook group. Um, I have, well, I have a Facebook group with the, the group how can I say this? It's it's a Facebook group with um, my daughter's class, and we have events together. Um, different parents have taken it on to organize um, nights for parents, um, activities for the kids, and just to see that um, initiated by members of this class and this community oh, has that. been really mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah, that word community, that, that sounds like a good description, more than just a class or something where students are doing during the day, but it sounds like it's kind of evolved into a group that, that yeah, these relationships are continuing to blossom, which is really Absolutely. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How exciting. So I'm, I'm curious, Hillary, so I teach Bible here at the high school. Mm-hmm. What's Bible class like in Spanish immersion? Sure. That's a great question. Um, I love Bible class and I love teaching uh, my students from the Bible. We have a sp- uh, Bible in Spanish with pictures that we read. Um, and it's, it's just really exciting to see students grow in their sensitivity to the word mm. of God. In our Bible class, we'll sing songs. Um, I'll draw pictures when I tell them stories and I'm a terrible artist, but the students are really kind and gracious to me. <laughs> um, but it's it's been really exciting to see to see and to be able to nurture uh, my students' spiritual development, even it, even though we're teaching in a different language, um, having students pray for each other, teaching mm. them how God is a God who provides for us. Um, just this morning, I was teaching them about manna, which is manna. Mm found in the desert. So I had hid, uh, hidden some little circles around the classroom. So they had to go and find it. And um, we we found the circles and then we read the words on the circles that said mana, which is mana. And I talked to the students about, wow, isn't God amazing? Because he knows what we need and he provides for us. And it's it's been really moving to me. I've had many moments this year and last year where I am just reminded of God's goodness. Hmm. Um, and the students, I can tell, are very perceptive to the stories that we tell. And just um, and it's exciting for them to make connections when they're learning a story at home or when they're learning a story um, at, at church, um, to be able to hear the story again in Spanish, learn hmm. the vocabulary associated with it. But more importantly than vocabulary, more importantly than the concept, they're learning that that God is a, a big God and God mm. is there for them. He loves them. Um, and so that's just been, been a real blessing to me to be part. And I think that's something that Holland Christian um, has that that is unique to our program, the way that we can nurture students' spiritual development and their faith journey as well. How cool. That sounds incredible, yeah. Hillary. It really does. I've seen little bits and pieces of research out there about mm-hmm. uh, the brains of bilingual individuals. Mm-hmm. What, what advantage is there to, to being bilingual? Oh, man. Um, there, there's a lot of research out there. There, uh, there's, there are many studies that have been um, that have shown the impact of um, learning bilingually on the brain, especially mm. at a young age, which is why we have um, immersion preschool. We have immersion threes and immersion fours. Um, not to say that students can't jump in at, 
uh, in kindergarten um, because that's that's great too. But um, studies just show that um, when students learn language at an early age, they are able to solve problems and to read at a level that is equal, if not higher, to that of their peers who are in monolingual mm. classrooms. So there's a lot of research that has shown the amazing success that a program like this can bring. And not even just on the cognitive side of things, but from the social aspect, they can now, you know, socialize with people who speak a different language and mm. they may have other families with kids and the kids can like get along now or as they grow up you know they may be able to go out to different countries and absolutely yeah opens mm -hmm. doors to relationships opens that doors. would have been really challenging to to develop otherwise yeah. mm -hmm. it's very cool mm -hmm. yes my wife and I were foster care parents and and mm -hmm. our first uh, foster daughter was, spoke Spanish only and I only speak English. And so <laughs> it was just fascinating. I, mean, I remember learning so much, but just, just being reminded of this human element, I mean, which we, I felt as though we, even though we didn't speak the same language, it was mm -hmm. amazing to me about how much we had in common or about how much we shared or we could mm -hmm. laugh at. And, and I think she was maybe laughing at me a lot of the time, but um, I just remember that being a real desire, a, a beginning of desire in me to learn the language. Mm -hmm. It was not, for me at least, it wasn't about the language. It was about connecting and mm -hmm. human beings and mm -hmm. and um, being more hospitable and, and to this little girl in particular, but but also, you know, that 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 idea of um, opening doors to relationships that I probably wouldn't be able to have otherwise. Mm -hmm. That's important. And, mm -hmm. and I think important. that's such a, a, a cool thing that's yeah. happening. I have um, a family in, in our program who has fostered um, students or, or kids who only speak Spanish. Hmm. And it's been exciting for their children who are in Spanish immersion oh, yeah. to be able to translate and assist oh, with that. So that's, that's been, awesome. an, again, empowerment and just an opportunity for the child to be the leader in that situation and to mm -hmm. help make those communi communicate across those language, that's um, really cool. language barriers. Awesome. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. We're really excited to tell you about a new segment coming up on the podcast called HC Fam. The goal of HC Fam is to hear stories from people in the community who maybe have a connection to HC but aren't necessarily staff members. This could be parents, students, alumni, local professionals, pretty much anyone with a story to tell that will help cultivate community and deepen conversation in this place. So we need your help. Do you know someone who might be interesting to have on the podcast? If so, send us an email with your idea. We're hoping to talk with people from a variety of backgrounds, professions, interests, and life experiences. So don't hesitate to email bruss at hollandchristian.org. That's B-R-U-S-S at hollandchristian.org. Can't wait to hear from you. Hey, welcome back. We're with Hillary Clip Lopez talking about the Spanish Immersion Program here at Holland Christian. Hillary, I'm interested to hear a little bit of your story. So Clip Lopez, is that hyphenated? Is that hyphenated last name? In Mexico and in a lot of Spanish-speaking countries, people have two last names. Oh, really? I did not so, know this. Yeah. So um, my husband's full name is Miguel Angel Lopez Estrada. So his last names are Lopez Estrada. So Lopez comes from his dad. Estrada comes from his mom. Mm. Mm. Um, and in a Spanish-speaking culture, when you get married, you keep your original last name. And then sometimes you add the word de in the middle. So Clip de Lopez, or you just add on the... Um, 
the husband's last name. Um, so our kids are actually Lopez Clip, which is a okay. little bit confusing. But we decided that we wanted them to have that heritage of both last names. So there's mm-hmm. the paternal and the maternal last name. So our kids are Lopez Clip. I love that. And kind of, I often think of a family tree, where my family comes from, where these cultures that have combined, you know, in all these miraculous ways to get a person, right? And, and mm-hmm. they, they have that right there in their last name. And it's it's really a cool way to follow a family tree because mm-hmm. if the maternal last name, you know, if, if it's Gomez or whatever it might be, you can see if the maternal last name is um, from um, a brother of the mom or a sister of the uh, mom, okay. depending on the cousin. So if they have Gomez as their first last name or second last name. Anyways, it's a little bit confusing. I feel like more of the story and the relationships are communicated that way. Yes. Uh-huh. So cool. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, and you said you came to Holland Christian and maybe Holland. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just last year or the year before? Uh, it will be two years. In, okay. Now I need to think about this. It was two years in September. Okay. So yes. before that, where? I grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, I'm nice. I'm from the nice. suburb of Boston and I um, attended high school there and I um, I my whole life I would say I've I've been passionate about learning languages. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I didn't grow up in an area that had was particularly diverse, um, or I or at least I didn't have a lot of exposure to many different languages other than them being able to travel. But I remember at um, at a young age making friendships with people from other countries, not necessarily Spanish speaking countries. I remember in third grade I had a good friend who came from Japan and he didn't speak any Hmm. English. And I remember thinking that was so cool and so interesting. Hmm. And I went to his house and we ate noodles and we slurped them. And, um, Hmm. it was just very exciting. And I loved that. I've always loved things like that. Um, I went to college in Western Pennsylvania, at Grove City College, which is outside oh, of Pittsburgh. Yeah. And they were here yesterday, actually, at the oh, high school. Oh, no way. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. um, when I was there, I um, went on a mission trip to Mexico. It was actually through my home church in Lexington, Massachusetts, to Mexico, to the border city of Reynosa, um, which is in south of the border in Texas. And during that time... Um, I, I loved going there. I, I felt like um, I had I had been learning Spanish in school. I didn't really know it very well, but um, I just loved it. I've always loved learning Spanish. I've um, just been really, really passionate to hear the language and to try to speak the language. And um, I returned during college for a summer or a couple of summers um, to work on staff. So what, what I would do as a staff member was to facilitate church mission trips, either for youth or for adults or um, for different groups of people. And when I was there, I met my husband, who is from Reynosa. He was encouraged to volunteer with this organization through somebody at his church. And um, so after I graduated college, actually during college, I studied abroad for one semester in Seville, in Sevilla, Mm -hmm. in Spain. So I learned a a different form of Spanish, Mm -hmm. which is, is different accent, different vocabulary, Kind of like British English is to American English. So, okay. Um, and so after graduating college, um, I moved down to Mexico where I taught for a few years. We got married there, um, moved over the border a couple years later, and we lived in South Texas, right in the border region, oh, wow. for about six years. Then after that, we had our kids. Um, we decided that we wanted to move up north. So we moved up to New Hampshire for a year, and then um, we came out here to Holland. Wow, you've been mm-hmm. everywhere. Been That's very cool. Bit, yeah. And what's your husband's name? 
My husband's name is Miguel. Miguel, okay. Mm -hmm. So how did you decide to come to Michigan of all places? That you heard yeah, about the beautiful the snow. The beautiful, yeah, February. I guess New Hampshire, Michigan. you probably experienced some snow. We did too. not as many clouds. Um, we, my brother went to Hope, and oh, okay. he, he married someone from here, and they live in Chicago now. Um, and at at their wedding, which was right. The a few days actually before we moved in our um, SUV, we packed up all our stuff and we moved from Texas to New Hampshire. Um, a few days before we left to move um, to New Hampshire, we went to their wedding in Chicago and um, his in-laws told us, oh, you guys would love Holland. Holland is, uh, it's a great city. It's so beautiful. It's so diverse. There's a lot of, um, a lot of jobs. Um, and I'm a, I, I'm a bilingual teacher, so I was immediately looking into bilingual programs. Um, and we came out to visit. We did not come in the winter time, mm. which uh. if we had, we may have made a different choice. Although oh, my husband yeah. does love winter and he loves the snow. Um, I think it's okay, I guess. <laughs> um, but we, we came and we loved it. And, um, I was offered a job at Holland Christian shortly thereafter, so, so that's cool. History. Mm -hmm. My uh, my family also moved from Texas to Michigan. No way. And every winter, I question our decision. Yeah, about March, <laughs> we're like, oh, we should move back. What to have Texas. we done? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Hillary when you moved to Mexico. Your Spanish wasn't, you know, as it is now. Mm -hmm. What What's learning the language been like for you? For sure. Um, I I didn't really know a lot of spoken Spanish, and I didn't really understand. Um, it was it was hard for me to understand spoken Spanish, hmm. um, and to speak it myself. Um, I learned very much book book Spanish <laughs> as probably is is the traditional t quote unquote typical way to learn a language in the United States. Um, so I had a lot of vocabulary. I learned lists of verbs and conjugations, but that was pretty much it. And I remember feeling so frustrated that I couldn't really communicate. Um, and people would game. even make fun of me. Yeah, hmm. they would make fun of me, and I would feel bad about myself. And um, it was difficult, but um, I I was not afraid to make mistakes, and mm. I didn't really so let important. it bother me if people made fun of me. I kept practicing, and um, I gave myself a lot of opportunities to practice, and um, I continue to learn. I would never say that I, you know, all right, we're at 100%, got nowhere to go mm. from here. There's mm -hmm. always more to learn. Um, I still learn words that I don't know, and it's exciting for me. And mm. I, I just love to be able to um, – and also learning how a language and a culture are mixed together, and you can't really mm. separate one from yeah. the other. So true, so true. I learned that more and more as I studied the Bible as a Bible teacher. Mm. You, you realize so much of that, that language and culture are inseparable and yeah. idioms, and it's all woven together. Um, Very much, yes. So that you're, you're – I don't think you're ever actually just learning a language. No. You're always stepping into a culture and to history and to all, mm -hmm. all kinds of other things. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that, your husband is mm -hmm. from Mexico. He is from Mexico. And you're from Massachusetts. Yes. Uh -huh. So you now, how many kids do you have? We have two kids. What's that mm -hmm. been like, uh, having kind of a bicultural home? Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the challenges and maybe some of the real blessings of mm -hmm. that, uh, of having um, a bicultural home? It's definitely not easy all the time because we come from two backgrounds. We have um, two very different families, but I mean, that's the case with any, any, mm -hmm. uh, relationship sure. and any marriage. Um, but the, the, our families speak different languages. They may live in different countries. They, um, may act differently in a situation. So definitely we had to learn about each other, um, and learn how to communicate with each other, how to adapt, um, to our families, um, 
different kinds of food as well, mm. but we love, we love making, um, different kinds of food. Um, so it's, it's challenging, but it's also so tremendously rich in, um, the way that we can communicate across different languages mm. and mm-hmm. we can appreciate both sides of both cultures that we come from. Um, something that we've loved about Holland is that, um, our kids are in a folkloric dancing group, which oh, is actually part yes. of Holland public. And, um, we love to teach our kids about all of the different aspects, richer aspects of their culture, um, so that they can appreciate both both sides that they come from. Um, and they, we actually, they opened an adult dancing group this year, so oh, we joined man. it too. So we're learning a little bit. Um, that is so cool. Yeah, that's fun. S- sign Cam up for that. I think I will. I'm yeah. quite the dancer. If you didn't, yeah. Know. oh yeah, all right. It's unfortunate this is a podcast. Otherwise, we'd be able to demonstrate a, a little bit of that. Yeah, unfortunately. Bring your tap shoes next time. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just oh. tap <laughs> So so cool culture. You know, Hillary. I think maybe one of the first times I met you, you were teaching a cultural intelligence course for some professional development we were doing right. here at the school. Mm-hmm. Why is that important to you? Why do you? value cultural intelligence? Mm-hmm. I think that's a great question. Throughout my life, the experiences that I've had um, where I've communicated cross-culturally, and uh, I know I've also made many mistakes in the way that I've communicated, for example, with my mother-in-law or with, oh, with no. other people. That's yeah, when you don't yeah. want to mess great. Up. <laughs> we have a great relationship now. <laughs> I just know from my own experience how easy it is to make mistakes when you're communicating across cultures sure. and um, how we need to really think about the words that we use and um, and not only our words, but also our actions and our our um, attitudes and our body language. Hmm. And it's something I'm passionate about because I believe that... Um, it can make the world a better place if we know how to communicate with one another mm. in a way that mm-hmm. is not demeaning, in a way that is respectful, and in a way that values other cultures and doesn't view them as um, something strange or something um, that is less than ours, mm-hmm. but yeah. really just see see the value that we can um, we can derive from each other mm. and the appreciation that we we can have for each other when we really understand each other. Really well said. Yeah. I love that idea of uh, being able to communicate across a culture. So important and the value in that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the work you did? You mentioned being in Mexico, also being mm-hmm. in Texas. Is in that Texas, right? Yep. Can give us a little bit of uh, insight into what you did in those contexts. Sure. Um, so my first year of teaching I was in Mexico and I taught at a bilingual school and I taught first grade. I had no idea what I was doing really, to be (laughs) honest. Um, It was fun and it was challenging. Uh, I was teaching um, two groups of first graders who knew very little English, um, how to read and how to do math in English. And um, the following year I taught um, higher elementary, upper elementary and middle school students, again, in the same context. Um, Then I moved over the border and in Texas, I taught at a dual language school um, and I was the English teacher. So something that's been interesting in my my journey in as a language teacher is that um, number one, I've always taught or almost always taught students that speak a different language than I do. Hmm. Um, I also spent some time teaching adult ESL after my kids were born. So I worked at a local college teaching adults English as a second language or to speakers of other languages. Um, that was exciting. I got to interact with students from Asia, um, some students from the Middle East, some students from different parts of Latin America. Hmm. Um, 
And, um, and, and another interesting thing is that um, up until my time at Holland Christian, I have always taught English. That has been my area oh, of expertise. Oh, sure. expertise. Um, I've, I've always been the English teacher because I've been in environments where students are trying to learn English. Yeah, yeah. So um, this is the first time that I've been a Spanish teacher. And some of um, my husband's family thinks it's really funny that I'm a Spanish teacher because oh, right, yeah. I've always been an English teacher to them. Mm. So um, although there are obvious differences between teaching the English language and teaching the Spanish language, um, teaching the elements of teaching a language are very similar, hmm. the way that you go about teaching a language. Um, and I also want to throw out there that English is a very, very challenging language to learn. Hmm. And we should always have grace on students and on um, adults who are learning the English hmm. language because it is incredibly so hard. And you sometimes don't realize that until you're in, in an environment where someone's learning Span or English mm -hmm. and they'll ask a question and they'll be like, oh, yeah, I've never thought about that. Or oh, I, don't I had really so many have... times where students would say, why do you say, what is the word does yeah. in what does your, um, what do you like to do or what does he like to do? What does mm. that word mean? Yeah. I had no idea what to say. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> yeah. You don't really realize it until... You have a different perspective. It's like, oh, this is a pretty, yeah. pretty weird language. It totally changed my perspective teaching English. So. Yeah, I, I sit next to a, one of our exchange students from mm -hmm. Guatemala mm -hmm. who came to our class like last week, and I'll be talking very casually and like some English slang stuff, I guess, and mm -hmm. then. They'll be like, wait, what? And I'll have to rephrase my stuff, and yep. uh, I can try to say it in Spanish, but I'm like, I don't know how to use this English context in Spanish. And mm -hmm. it's it kind of opens up your eyes to like, wow, they know English better than I know Spanish, but they're still like, they try so hard. And mm -hmm. I think the respect we should have for people trying to learn the language, like you said, you know, you were speaking and then you kind of got made fun of, like, mm -hmm. that makes it tough and that would turn a lot of people off from wanting to continue speaking the language. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy for us to assume that it's it's easy to learn a language or it's easy to, mm -hmm. to say something a certain way, but, um, but it's challenging and we should appreciate them Definitely. for that. Mm -hmm. I met my wife or started dating my wife through a, an experience where she was teaching English uh, oh, really? to, to predominantly okay. Spanish-speaking adults mm. in the community, yeah, okay. and it actually our relationship is founded on deceit because mm -hmm. I wanted to get to know her, and so you just... pretended you didn't speak English. No, I oh. pretended I spoke <laughs> Spanish. Well, I didn't. I didn't. Well, she was a waitress at a at a restaurant okay. in town here, and. Um, I was just trying to make conversation. I went to this restaurant like a million times in a row, just trying to, to but I was so nervous, you know. And, and I was asked her, "Was it a good what, restaurant, at least?" It, uh, I will say yes. <laughs> okay. So, and I asked her what she was studying. She was at Hope at the time. She's a nursing major, and I didn't really have any connections with nursing. And she said she's a Spanish minor. Oh. And I said, oh, "I love Spanish." And and uh, <laughs> did you did you know any Spanish no, at that time? No, I didn't. I, I just didn't, love how it sounds. Yeah, <laughs> I just I love Spanish. I just don't happen to know it. I left that part out. And she said, yeah. "Oh, would you like to help teach?" Uh, uh, an English course oh, no. to Spanish-speaking adults. You, yep, of course, exactly. I said <laughs> I'd love to, and then it was. It took about five minutes into the first class that we were teaching for. Not even five minutes. It took probably five seconds for her to realize that I was a, a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> but we, yeah, and then somehow you made it through. Yeah, so made good. it through, and, and we ended up teaching the whole <laughs> semester. And that, and yeah, I learned a lot of what you were just saying, Hillary, about the challenges in learning a language and having a different perspective on your own language mm -hmm. changes. I, I didn't realize in, until even though I, I learn more and more each year. I teach an uh, in, introduction to Bible course mm -hmm. for 
international students. And I'm always amazed at how many idioms we just weave into conversation. Oh, yeah. Someone just today asked me, what did you mean by this? And I thought, oh, yeah, that, that's an idiom. Yeah, And that, and then mm-hmm. they'll say, "Where you know, explain how did that idiom come to be? And most of them, I've got no clue, yeah. right? I mean, it's like, I don't know. Like, they're I, totally not logical. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just fascinating. Like Cam said, language is amazing. It is amazing. Hey, Hillary, would you be willing to sign us off by, in Spanish, saying thanks for listening to the podcast and see you next time? Muchas gracias por haber escuchado HC Medium Talk y nos vemos a la próxima. I love it. Cam? Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Adios.